We are in our last week of our series that we're calling Faith Works. How many of you guys know the, the life of faith in Christ that works? Man, the Father, he gives everything that he promises. He's a good father. And uh, during this series, our whole goal has really been to give you guys a broader understanding of the word faith. And in week one, we laid a foundation. And one of the things we discovered in the, in the New Testament that there are actually seven Greek words to the one word faith that we have in our English language. How many know that that's why when you ask people, hey, uh, what does faith mean to you? Everybody in the room could have a different answer and most likely you would all be right. Uh, but the question is, is when we approach the Bible and scriptures and we read it, um, what exactly does this word faith mean? Well, the good news is, is the word that we're talking about, it's actually used 90% of the time we come across this word faith in the Bible. And here's what this word means. It means divine persuasion on the heart. It simply means that, that God is working from heaven to persuade your heart of himself and many other things. And so here's, here's what it means that this word does not mean. It, it's not about our ability to trust God, this word faith, or our ability to believe or our ability to be committed. Now, other words uh, that are used for this word faith do mean that. But the one we're talking about today and most often that you read in your Bible are not talking about uh, our abilities at all. It's really talking about God's ability and his, and his ability to convince you. If you miss any of the messages uh, in this series, you can check them out on Facebook or you can check them out on our podcast uh, using iTunes or Spotify. Well, we're going to be talking today about faith for the world. Somebody say the word world. You know, God's created an amazing world. Do you agree? I mean, it's so wonderful. The inhabitants of the world are amazing and they are also fallen, right? And so God wants to convince us some things about his world. And he does this in John three sixteen. Here's what he tells us his plan is for the world. It says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish and have everlasting life. Did you know, um, I, I can't tell you for how many years I've read this scripture, and every time I saw the world, God so loves the world, I always just thought about me, and I thought about other humans. But you know, this word world actually expands to a lot broader meaning. It actually, the word, original word is the word uh, cosmos, which is where we get our word cosmos. And the implication is that God loves the cosmos. He loves everything in it, all of his created things inside his created world. And the Bible says, in fact, in Revelation 21, that, that he's actually going to renew it all. He's going to bring a new heavens and a new earth. And you and I, we get renewed in our spirit. But one day we're going to have a renewed body and a brand new body. Who knows what that's going to be like? I can only suspect. I, uh, hopefully I can fly. I'm hoping that's what that means. But hopefully I can fly around. But scripture says, behold, I make all things new. How many of you know that's good news for you and I? And so today as we um, consider some of the things that the Bible discuss in terms of God trying to convince us about the world, I think about two things as I, I think about um, faith for the world. The first thing that comes to mind is that, that God gives us faith for the future. Somebody say future. Why is God at work trying to persuade our heart, trying to convince us some things about the future? Well, I believe it's because of this. I believe it's because when we look around at our futures in the natural with our own eyes and we look at the future of our kids and, and the world in general, what we see with our own eyes at times can be very bleak. Would you agree with me? And I would just be the first to admit there's times that I look around in the world and I can be very discouraged. But when we are divinely persuaded about how God sees the world in your notes, then we could be persuaded that there is hope 
for the future. And his hope, it's a great hope. And that means that there's no political situation, that there's no personal hardship, there's no one or no thing that can strip this hope away from us when we see the world through his eyes. How many think that's, that's good? We need that. How many of you say, I could use some hope? When we've been persuaded about God's world um, and that we have been persuaded that we can have hope for the future, um, we can have hope for his church. We can have hope for his church. Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said this. He says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many know that God's plan always has been and always will be to be the builder of his church? And although he might be moving through man, he's actually still the builder. And how many know he's a really good builder? So how many know that's a good reason for us to have a lot of hope for the church? Because ultimately we're not in charge of building it. He is. He's great at building. You know, I see so many people today They're losing hope for the future of the church. And I get it. I mean, when I look around, when you look around, there's a lot of reasons in the natural to be quite discouraged. And there's no doubt, as we take a look at God's bride, the church, in her vastness, and we're not talking about just our little denomination, but his church globally, when we look around at the church, we see that she has many imperfections. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, you are she, right? You are the one with imperfections. I mean, how many know we're all imperfect people? But when we look around at the world, the the difficult thing is is that the news and social media, they're blasting the church, the bride's most embarrassing moments all over the place. And that's like the lead narrative for most people is all of the most embarrassing moments of the church. And the challenge with that is, is in the upcoming generations, she is losing respect. And I even think in some of the older generations, she's losing respect with you. The challenge is, is that when the younger generation is coming up, they are seeing how us, the more mature believers, are, are throwing stuff up on social media and just bombing each other because we think and believe differently about the Bible, about God, or about how we're supposed to be dealing with different social issues. You know, I gotta tell you, there are so many young people right now throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You know, there's a really popular movement going on right now in the younger generation, and it's called deconstruction. I don't know if you've heard about it, but young people are deconstructing their faith. That means that they they spent their whole life building this structure of belief, and, and, and they realize, they look around and they realize how broken it is, so they start deconstructing it. And what happens is they get towards the bottom of their foundation, they throw out Jesus all in all. And you know, I gotta tell you, us older generations, now I'm starting to say that. I'm Gen X, right? The people that are younger than Gen X, we need to be in the corner of their life cheering them on as they're deconstructing. Look, at we need to have a voice of influence in them because when we lose our voice of influence, when it's time to reconstruct their faith, we're not gonna be able to be in the corner of life and they're not gonna be listening to us. And how many of you know that, that, that all of us at some point, we have deconstructed our faith, throwing out all the legalism, throwing out all the religion, throwing out all the man-made stuff so that there's nothing left at the bottom but Jesus. That he is the cornerstone. He is truly the one that we're standing on. And we want that for the next generation as well. Yeah. And I gotta tell you that as I've read through, as I've read several books on church history and articles, and I know that you have as well, that man, there's a lot of amazing things that God has accomplished in this broken world. Would you agree with me? And there's also a lot of broken, amazing things that humanity has done 
in and amongst his church. And it's truly embarrassing. Some of it is very evil. We see throughout history how humanity has tried to, to keep control and, and control the narrative and make it to be their narrative and, and control the gospel, control societies and keep high societies and push down low societies. It's terrible what people have done in the name of God throughout history. And, and truly today, it's nothing new. It's been the same tug and pull that has been going on forever. But I gotta tell you, as I see the bad news, I see the good news. And I believe today that there's still hope for the church. Does anybody have hope in their heart for the church today? I gotta tell you, and now this next statement I'm gonna make, um, please don't mistake in my heart or my desire to see the purity of God permeate the culture. However, I do believe that many people mistakenly think that spreading morality is spreading the gospel. If God wanted us to spread morality, he would have stopped at the 10 commandments and that would be all that we have today. But he didn't want to stop at that. You know why? Because the 10 commandments only point out what's wrong in you. It doesn't fix what's broken in you. He wanted us to have the gospel of Jesus that would regenerate you and give you a brand new life and a brand new hope and a brand new future and transform the way you think and make you pure from the inside out. And so if the church's job is not to spread morality, well, what is her job? I believe her job is by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and call people and invite them into a vital relationship with the Father and and let them know that God wants to participate with you in sharing the good news all the way around the world. I believe that when this gospel is preached, lives will be transformed and we will see the purity of God permeate our culture. That's God's plan. That's how he does it. Does anybody agree with me this morning? Today, I I believe that God has given us faith for the future and I also believe that he's given us uh, hope for for our children. Hope for our children. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 105. It says this, 105.5. It says, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That means on and on and on. And it says, and his faithfulness to all generations. Does anybody believe that he's faithful to all generations? You know, there are a lot of reasons, again, in the natural, when we look at the the future that our children will be growing up in and our children's children will be growing up in. And there's a lot of reasons in the natural to be discouraged. But I'm here to tell you today that God gives us a different hope for the future of our children. You know, so many people today are, and believers, they're littering social media with sentiments of fear for their kids. And and I understand, it could be scary as we look in the natural, but that's why God gives us faith for the future. That's why he gives us faith for your children and your children's children, because he is looking out for us. How many of you know that he was faithful to your parents' generation to deliver the gospel to you, and he's been faithful to your generation to deliver the gospel to your kids, and he will be faithful to their generation and coming generations, because he's the builder of the church. That's just what he does. That's who he is. And we can have great hope in that. We don't need to be worried and concerned and fearful about the future our kids are growing up in because God has the future in his hands. Here's a little heart check for us today. How do you know if you believe that he is faithful to all generations? Just listen to your heart. Listen to your thoughts. Just listen to how you talk about the next generation. 
And not just out to, to the public, but, but when you're with your friends. And, and I've noticed there's been times when I've been with friends and I made some kind of dumb comment about the next generation because I grew up in the generation of customer service, somebody help me, Jesus. And Lord, help me right now because I'm a fallen and I'm a broken man. But there's times where I'm like, man, we didn't do that in our generation. I mean, we, we served in a new way. But can I tell you something? That, 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 that reveals my heart for the next generation. And how many you know I need God's help just like you do to see them through the lens of the gospel? And the questions for us are, do we pray for the next generation? And how do we speak about them? How do we speak to them? Are we even in the corner of their life to lift up Christ in them? And I'm here to encourage the church today and speak words of faith over us today. How many of you believe that, that God has a great future and a great hope for us today? I did something really funny on my iPad right now. And I have pulled up a screen that is blocking the word of God that I'm supposed to be preaching to you right now. And I can't figure out how to make it go away. Oh, man. So I'm going to, okay, hold on. Hang with me. Devil's a liar. Just kidding. The devil is using my finger right now to, uh, there we go. Okay, okay. He's not in control of any of this. I just, I hit the wrong button. I'm making a mistake here. We're talking about faith for the world. God given us, he's given us faith for the future. Pastor, if you're listening to this right now, you're right. If you just have good old paper, nothing ever goes wrong, does it? Just a good old piece of paper and a pen and, and the Bible, and that's just all you need. And we got all this drama. There's so many wrong things that can happen. Batteries can die. I can hit wrong buttons. It's amazing. We're talking about faith for the mission. God gives us faith for the mission. How many of you guys know that we serve a missional God? Our father is on mission and we saw it in John three sixteen. He's a father who's on mission and he's divinely persuading you and I that he's called us to mission and well in scriptures like Matthew 28, 19. And how about one of the most misquoted uh, mission scriptures in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, all the way in the beginning. Here's what Jesus says to Abram. He says, the Lord says to Abram, Abram, I'm gonna give you a mission and I'm gonna tell you what your mission is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go from your country. Leave what is familiar to you. I want you to leave your people, your ethnicity, all the familiar culture things that go on in your little group. I want you to leave all of that. And I also want you to leave your father's household. And I want you to go to the land that I'm going to show you. That's what he says. And he says, now, that's your mission. But here's my mission. Here's what I want to do through you while you're there. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And, and when I make you into a great nation, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. And you are going to be a blessing out of you. I'm going to bless the world through you. And he's saying, Abraham, I'm going to draw attention to you. And I'm going to make you great. And as people watch, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. But I want you to know, Abram, don't hold my word back from anybody. Because here's my mission, that all people in all the earth will be blessed through you. Yes. How many know that's good news for everybody in all the earth? And you know, God's plan has not changed. God looks at you today and he says, Tim, I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to raise you up, Tim, and I'm going to make you mighty and great. And there's going to be people that I'm going to draw around your world. And through you, Tim, I'm going to bless the world. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless their friends. I'm going to bless your neighbors. I'm going to bless people who you come in contact with because that is our missional God. He is on mission. And his mission is still the same. And you know, it's not about you reaching the entire world. It's about you reaching your world. God has given you a specific world for you to reach. But here's, here's one of the challenge in our cultures today in the 21st century. Dr. Tim Keller says this. He says, in conservative regions, 
It's possible to see people professing faith and the church growing without becoming missional. You see the challenge is that we get so good at church at marketing and, and we got all our little tricks to play and, and we play the piano in the background right before the altar call and, and people give their faith to Christ and we get all excited, but what happens after that? And that's why we work so hard in this church after every single service to say, hey, there's next steps for you to take. We want you to understand that God wants to make you great and he wants to put you on mission with him. How many of you agree that we serve a God who's a missional God? And when we believe that, that we're divinely persuaded in your notes to live missionally, every single one of us. We don't just sit back as saved people just going, hey, I'm going to heaven. The Lord's doing great things in me, and he is, and it's important for us to understand that, but also he wants to call me to go out on mission with him. What does it look like for you and I to live missionally? Here's what it looks like. We join him in sharing the good news. It's so simple. When we're on mission, we just share the good news Every opportunity, we seize every moment. We share the good news, the good story of redemption, of what Jesus has done in our life, how he sustained us, how he's helped us through hard times. And we also tell him the hard things. We also tell people the times where we prayed and we thought God was gonna heal mom or dad. We, we thought that our child or our son was gonna stay in the faith forever. And we tell the story of how God sustained our heart during those times and where he took away our anxiety and he brought us peace. And then maybe years later, we told the story that our son came back to faith in God. And you know, I believe so many of you have children, sons and daughters and friends who are just running out there. But I'm telling you that God is faithful. And if they're willing to say yes to the father, you know what the father's gonna say to them? Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. And I, I imagine him just taking off their dirty shoes and saying, you must be tired. I'm so glad you're home. And that's the heart of the Father that we serve. Did you know that living missionally is not a call for some, but it's a call for all? Living, mission, living missionally is not just for pastors and youth pastors or maybe small group leaders. No, it's for everyone, every single one of us. You've, you've got a call that God wants to reach people through you that only you are gonna touch. There's, there's places that I will never go that God has planted you because he trusts you with his word and he wants to use you. You know, it takes intentionality for us to live missionally. And, I, and I've got to say, I'm the first to admit that it's so easy to settle and become very lackadaisical in our faith and just relax in our salvation and, and forget about the world that's dying and hurting around us. It's so easy. But can I tell you that I need the Holy Spirit to constantly remind me, and I bet you do too, that I live on mission and that my mission is to share the gospel with my family, to share the gospel with my wife's family because the Lord knows they need it. You know them. And to share the, share the gospel with my daughter and her friends. One of them just got saved at our last kids' crusade. It was amazing. And share the gospel with her, friend, her parents and neighbors and people that I come in contact with. That's our mission. Our mission is not only sharing the good news, but it's also showing the good news. How did Jesus show the good news? You know, the, the, the prophets of old, they, they would say this about the good news. They would say, hey, I want you to know that there's somebody who's gonna come on the scene in a generation. We don't know when that generation's coming, but when he comes, he's gonna preach the good news, and here's the things that he's gonna be doing to show this good news. 
And here we are in Luke chapter four and Jesus actually steps into the synagogue and he opens up the scroll to the words of these prophets and he declares to everybody that I am he. And here's what he says. Here's what you can see is gonna be happening. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He sent me to recover sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the favor of the Lord. That's exactly what Jesus did to show the good news. Now, you and I, when we read scriptures like that, we're often thinking about very natural things. And, and there's other things that say that signs are gonna follow those that believe and, and uh, the, the lame are gonna walk, the blind are gonna see, the dumb are gonna speak. But when we look past some of these natural things, because every time Jesus did things in the natural, there was spiritual implication, there was spiritual meaning. And here's the bottom line about what Jesus was saying, because in that culture, anybody who was not a Jew, they couldn't know the Father and they could not come into relationship with him. The Roman government during that time was putting people under so much oppression, bringing so much division between religion and the community. There's so much fighting. There's so many people poor and oppressed. And even the church during that time, they would not bring the good news to the poor who were outside their race. And anybody who stepped outside of the bounds of their perfect little religion, then they would not, they wanted them oppressed. They wanted them to suffer. And Jesus comes to all of these people and he says, hey, I've come to lift your burdens and I've come to make sure that the gospel is available for everybody. I don't care if you're Jew, Greek, Gentile, whatever you are, the gospel is for you and it's for you to speak and for you to receive. And I don't care if the culture is coming down on you. Jesus didn't start a revolution against the Roman government. He brought a revolution to every individual that he came in contact by showing the gospel and declaring and speaking life out in people. That's what it means to live on mission. How many of you know that today, Jesus looks at people and he says, you are worthy. You're worthy. He wouldn't have died for them if they weren't worthy. He wouldn't have gone through all that trouble if people were not worthy, but he saw them worthy. So he paid a penalty for them and he wants to bring them into his family. Man, how, how, how many of, of you and I right now, how are we showing and sharing the good news to the world God has planted around us? Do we do it like Jesus did? You know, it's so important for us to understand that our life in Christ, it's about salvation, but it's also about mission. And God wants you to discover mission. And you discover mission by entering into a discipleship journey with him. That's why it's so important for churches to have discipleship as a cornerstone of, of the, the faith process. That's why it's so important for you to take every discipleship opportunity, no matter where you're at in your faith. That's why it's so important for you to invite others into the mission and discipleship uh, journey with Jesus. I love what Jesus said in John 14 and 12. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will be doing the same works that I've been doing, Jesus says. And we just saw his works. He actually says, I believe you can do that. And he says, you're gonna do greater things because I'm going, into the Father, going to the Father in heaven. Here's what he was saying. He wasn't saying that you're gonna do uh, different miracles. He was saying that 
Right now, miracles are only happening through me because the Holy Spirit is in me. But I want miracles to happen around the world. And every believer who comes into faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit enters you. And miracles begin to take place all around the world. Did you know that? He wants to do it through you today. I don't care how long you've known Jesus. I don't care how cleaned up you think you are or aren't. God has put you in a place in this world to share and show the good news. Do you, do you agree with me today? I want to give you two practical things as we get ready to close. And they are this, that we all have a mission inside the church. Somebody say inside the church. Every single one of us at the Grace Place, we say it like this. Our, our mission as, as members and as church family members is to gather, grow, and give. And when we gather together, it's our mission to come together weekly so that we can encourage one another, learn the scriptures, worship God together, let his word uh, 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 grow and bring hope out of our hearts as he's doing this morning. Our mission is also not to just gather together, but to grow. And when we grow together, we, we're taking next steps. We're studying the Bible together and we're encouraging others along in the journey of discipleship. And then next we give. We're, we're giving our finances, we're giving our treasures to the family and we disperse the treasures all around the world so that people can know and hear the gospel. And in our giving we're inviting new believers into next steps. That's one of the ways we give. We're saying, hey, come on, join the discipleship journey with me. And we're, we're, giving, we're giving our giftings, our talents, and our abilities, abilities to volunteer and to serve places and to be ushers and greeters. And, 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 and when, when we're convinced of these things, we're concerned that, that there's enough workers in the kids' ministry to make sure that we can minister to every young family who comes to the church. We're concerned that we have enough C group leaders to make sure that every new family who comes into the church has a place to, to find one another and to grow and to be encouraged in their faith. Not only do we have a mission outside the church, or inside the church, we got a mission outside the church. We say as a church family, we, we gather, we grow, we give, and we go. Every single one of us is called to go. And God has put you in a neighborhood to go in. God has given you amazing opportunities in the workplace to go. God has given you business ideas and, and you've created a business like, like the Knowles or Veronica Escobedo and they've used their business as a platform for the gospel. Maybe God has given you a heart for uh, hurting spaces in our community and, and you're, you, you want to serve in, in different nonprofits and, and help new moms or, or single moms or, or help the homeless. I don't know what your heart is. But God's calling you to follow that heart. That's what it means to live on mission. And so many, there's so many different niches in our community. There's so many places that you and I can serve. And maybe, maybe your calling is to be like Ricky and Susie, to be, to be a, a mom and dad to the neighborhood or to be a, a grandma and grandpa to the neighborhood. But maybe your heart is different. Maybe it's just to grab one or two families with a heart that beats just like yours and just go do something. It doesn't need to come under the umbrella of the grace place. It comes under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. We just need to just get up and go gather some people, go do something for Jesus and just share the good news. You know, I gotta tell you today, as, as I've thought about this message and, and thought about what God is, is doing in our world, I gotta tell you that my heart is encouraged. My heart is so stirred with faith for the world. It's yours today. I mean, when I think about the coming generation and the church that your children are gonna get to grow up in, I see God building the church to you. I look at generation, the millennial generation. I, I look at Gen Z and I look at the alpha generation. That's the generation my daughter 
daughters growing up, and sorry for every other generation, but alpha is a pretty strong word. Would you agree? I mean, it's, it's the first letter of the alphabet in the, in, in, the, in the Greek alphabet. It's pretty strong. But I see a mantle shifting to a new generation. Do you? And I see a new generation taking up the mantle to lead the church. And as I think about these, these, these young people, I, I think about a future hope in kids like Nathan Oral, uh, Kyson Anderson, and Elian, and, and Katie Oral. I see these kids discovering a heart for God. And I see them discovering hearts God for the world. I'm so full of hope when I, I see the future and I think of kids like Allie Fincher or Hadassah Weimer or Noah Brown or, or, or Lily Gonzalez or Kanan Anderson or, or Alex Gonzalez or Caleb Earl. These young people are being discipled and they're becoming familiar with the presence of God just like you did when you were young. And they're beginning to understand what it means to be called and to be sent on mission with the Father. I'm so hopeful when I look at the church and it is so bright as I think about Jarius Robertson or Angelica Rocha or Julia Bell or Aidan Burwise or Sierra Williams, Kendall Anderson, Joseph Gonzalez or Caitlin Lowe. These young adults are beginning to understand their God-given right to lead in the church and their influence for Christ. And they're living on mission inside and outside the church. And I gotta say, I'm so hopeful as I see this new generation of adults like Amanda or Rebecca Gonzalez or Vince Escobedo, Kyle Burwise, Paige Ease, or Cheyenne or Libby or Reed, as these young people are taking up influential places in the church today. Some of them are taking up places in the church and some of them are taking up places in marketplace ministry. I gotta tell you, there is so much hope for the church. Has God given you hope today? There's hope for every generation and he is so faithful to each new generation. Why? Because he is building his church. Do you agree with me to say amen today?